Hello, friends. Are you listening to CBJRadio.com? It's a free internet radio station. Brand new shows every day except Sundays. That's Reflection Day. Shows range from hip-hop to rock to all independent artist shows to a Friday night request show. And don't forget about retro Saturday nights. Make CBJRadio.com the only internet radio station you listen to. Now, folks, are you getting those vaccines so we can end this pandemic slash quarantine? I posted on social media. If you know me, you probably can go read it now. This is what I posted. I sure would like the next email from UC Health to say, schedule your vaccine appointment. I am getting tired of the email saying that I'm on the list and they will notify me when it's my turn. I then get a comment from a former high school classmate of mine saying, it doesn't keep you from getting COVID and may only last three months. Have fun with that. Friends, I'm at a crossroads here. Who do I trust? The experts with years of research under their belts and lots of expert degrees? Or a guy that I went to high school with that doesn't have any expert degrees or experience working with vaccines? It's a real brain twister. Who would you trust? Now today's guest is Harmony Savoya. I went to high school with Harmony you will find out about how we met in the episode as, of course, we ask that question every episode. We went to a bigger high school for a while. I mean, about 300 students per class. I was in the class of 92. Harmony was in the class of 94. I figure our past would have crossed a little more in high school besides sports, but it really didn't. So I got to learn a lot about her during this podcast, about her high school life, growing up, uh, what she did after high school and such. And I don't want to give any more away because Harmony has a great life story to tell. Well, I was born in Rapid City, South Dakota Ah. to a single mom in, you know, late 70s. So back then it was a little like, oh, no, no. Um, So I didn't know my dad till I was 18, but um, I was raised um, kind of all over. Um, I had a sister who was about seven years older than me. She was my half sister and we lived all over South Dakota. Um, we were raised mostly in foster homes. Um, yeah. And, you know, so, so kind of all over South Dakota, we just, um, my grandparents lived in the eastern part okay. and we would go see them a lot. And we had family here in Wyoming. Um, so we'd travel and come see them. Um, we have family in the middle of South Dakota. So we'd go there. Um, but yeah, so so just kind of all over. And then, you know, we'd get taken away from my mom and put in a foster home. So, I mean, I lived in Sturgis and Newell and Pierre and. Wow you know, just kind of all over. So was your mom from South Dakota originally? I mean, I guess you had your grandparents up in that corner. So I guess so. So they're from that. Yeah. Yeah. So my grandparents. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. They have a farm, uh, in Blunt or in, um, sorry, (laughs) in, uh, Bancroft, South Dakota. That's where my grandpa did. He was a farmer. And so my mom and her brother were raised there and, uh, 
Yeah, so that's where they're off. from, and so went off I was really familiar with that area. We. Sorry. What's that? I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was like, then she went off to the big city of oh. Rapid City <laughs> to have you. Well, <laughs> you know, she actually went to really big cities. She went to Chicago. Oh. She was a, a placement. She worked for a placement agency, and she actually placed people at Hugh Hefner's office, <laughs> and they would have to do screen tests even just for a secretary. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> and then she went to San Francisco and that's where she had my sister okay. was in California. Um, still single. So she was like the big rebel of the family, big black sheep. Um, and then she came back to South Dakota and uh, had me. Do you, so in, so. in <laughs> not to really I don't know, dive into foster care, um, do do they keep you yeah together you're you and your sister for the most part is that is that how it works for the most part yeah so um we would go to a foster home together uh-huh and then most of the time we would go back with our mom after you know however long it was whatever they wanted done you know we kind of <laughs> we traveled a lot so we kind of um were in the car a lot. So they'd be like, no, you know, you need to get a house and you need to settle down. And so she'd settle down somewhere and we'd go back with her and then we would run away. Like we would leave. Mm. So, um, so that was kind of the in and out, uh, until I was about seven, I guess. And we were at a foster home in pier. And I, <laughs> it was right when footloose had come out because I remember dancing to footloose in the in their living room in this foster home's living room that night and we went to bed and my sister woke me up at midnight and we snuck out a window and we went into my mom's car and we ran away we ran away in the middle of the night so we were on the run for i don't even know how long i was little but they caught us in potter nebraska And so, yeah, so that was, it was crazy. But then, you know, once you kidnap your own kids, it's a felony. So we never actually lived with her again after that. But, you know, she was very present. Like she always tried to get us back with her. So, you know, that was, that was good on her part. Like I always knew she loved us. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like really good. She liked it. Be on the road, a little, little non-conventional living there. Um, so, yeah, as, yeah. I mean, as, as a Definitely kid, I'm a free sure. Spirit. So, moving around and such, um, did it, did it affect you a lot in life? Like, were you, were you worried? Like, you know, growing roots was it difficult to do, considering you had that moving around a lot? Because you said once you were seven years old, that was the last time you lived with her. Um, how about going to school and such? Was it mm-hmm. bounced around in there too as well? Yeah. Yep. I I remember several different schools, but yeah, definitely a lot of bouncing around. Um, yeah. So, well, I, I always thought of it as kind of a blessing because I was able to really, you know, meet new people and kind of, you know, you kind of, got used to being in different homes. Like you kind of had to blend Uh and, you know, you weren't always sure what kind of foster home you were going to walk into. Um, Some were really nice. Some not so nice. 
Um, so you just got used to a lot of different personalities. So I think that was really kind of, kind of in my favor, you know, and it was, it, it was always exciting. Like, you know, I didn't do the same thing every day, <laughs> you know? Um, so, um, not the lifestyle I would have chosen, but it I guess is what it is. <laughs> a lot of people like don't come out the other side with that kind of positive attitude. And so it's good to hear. Um, I think it's also a lot of your mom was, uh, didn't just be like, I'm done with you kids. Like she was still around. Right. And you, you, you said you felt like yeah. she still cared and wanted to be a part, but just lived a little, a non-conventional oh, yeah. life. Yep. You know, yeah, for sure. She called us every single night. Um, and then we were at a foster home. Uh, well, <laughs> so because we'd run away, they considered us a flight risk. So they had us live with our grandparents and our grandparents were the most lovely, wonderful people you could ever meet. Like my grandpa was a farmer and then he sold Lutheran Brotherhood insurance the last part of his life. And my grandma was just the consummate hostess. She was just, everything was always perfect. And, and they were lovely. My grandpa had a heart attack. And so they're like, oh, we got to move the kids. So they moved us to Wyoming. So I came to Laramie when I was about eight, I guess. Okay. So that's how I got here. Yeah. And um, I was with my sister. We were at the same foster home for about three years before she ran away. Mm. I mean, seven years. She's handling things a little bit, the age difference. I'm sure what, so that puts her at 15 or 16 when you guys got here. To Laramie, so and yeah. then three more years, two more years. I mean, she's close to being an adult, I guess. What you'd call us at yeah. eighteen. Um, so yeah, I, I think she was sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, yeah. It affected her a lot differently than me. I bet. Oh yeah. I mean, stability in life goes a long ways, and if you're used to it at a young age, like you might have. Sorry, I lost you. Yeah. Uh, stability goes a long way in life. And mm-hmm. you, you might have gotten used to it at a younger age. Maybe that's all you knew. It was just the constant on the move and everything. So now you're in Laramie, Wyoming. You got three years of like stability of a town. What do you think of Laramie once you moved mm-hmm. to here? Yeah, so... It was, um, it was interesting to be in one place the whole time. Um, it, it kind of all blended together after that. Like, you know, day to day was just kind of the same routine. You get up, you go to school, you know, um, the kids were mostly the same. Like, it wasn't like a huge culture shock from South Dakota to Wyoming, like, like some people, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't like this big cultural difference. It was actually like, um, it was very similar. I think uh, small town atmospheres and attitudes. <laughs> it was to me, I, but I moved here when I was yeah, I bet. It was a huge culture shock. I come from suburb of Portland, Oregon. And I'm sure people have heard this podcast or heard right. me say this before because I talk about <laughs> it like, 
I mean, yeah. it still affects me in a day. I, and there, and I'm so shocked that I have lived in Laramie now 17 years again, and that I had such a distaste and I hated the place for a long time. It was a lot to do. Yeah, 13. Um, leaving Oregon, I, you know, you're at the top, your popularity's going on. And then I get here and it's a yeah. small pond, big fish type scenario. And it's a lot of different, like fashion, music, all that stuff came later. And it was so much different than what I was used to. And I would say back home in Oregon and now Laramie's back home now. And so uh, I always have to ask people that aren't native Laramie folk, like when you moved here, like what you thought of Laramie because it relates to my experience. So you're growing up here in Laramie. What yeah. kind of, were you a re- good student? Were you into activities? What, what were you into growing up as a kid? Yeah. So, well, you know, I loved volleyball and I played until I ripped my knees up a little bit in high school and um, I, I couldn't play anymore. So I ended up being a trainer, okay. which I, you know, was, gosh, I think after my sophomore year, I, I ripped the ligaments and tendons in my kneecaps doing sports, ball, okay. volleyball, basketball, track. I loved it all. Yeah. Loved it. Um, I was an okay student, I guess. Um, I was kind. I think I was kind of distracted. I guess I just, I just kind of always, just was expecting the other shoe to drop. Uh, so yeah. I was kind of like, eh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I, you know, I passed and got okay grades. It just wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like, oh, 4.0. Mm-hmm. Well, some people like well, we, you said it there. You felt like the shoe was going to drop, and I did it just to pass, just to play sports, to get the good enough grades because I right. I thought sports were my ticket out. So it was it was just enough. It was never like I was driven to excel at academics, and that was my older sister's thing. She was a much better yeah. student than I was, so I was like. I'm different. I'm I'm middle child. I I was set my I was like, look at me in my own way. Nobody else's shadow. I hated being compared to her a lot in Oregon. Wyoming, we didn't grow up like that. She had already moved out of the house by the time I was growing up here. And so grades weren't that important to me, even though I mean enough, even though my mom, no, not my mom, my mom worked at university, my stepdad worked at university, my Dad and stepmom are were teachers at the time, like third and fourth grade teachers. Are retired now, and it, it, they oh, tried, wow. and they and they and would try, but also you know they're focused on their jobs and stuff, and and they probably yeah. had it easy with my older sister being a better student than I was. So uh, it wasn't <laughs> always my jam. Uh, as a kid, I, I liked playing sports. That was my thing: soccer, yeah, uh, football. I did wrestle, which turns out I hated after a while. And I always tell this one, I played soccer till I was sixth grade and I played all through and I was pretty good at it. Pretty good athlete there. And I was like, I'm quitting soccer because I want to watch cartoons on Saturday. I was tired of playing soccer. I drew out for wrestling team that I was like, why did I go out for wrestling team? I want it totally defeated my plan to watch cartoons in sixth grade. I was dumb, dumb, dumb. I did not I rest. I rest. I'm maybe. down with that. Yeah. I I was so excited when I had kids because I'm like I can actually watch cartoons now, and nobody can say a word. And now I'm old and I can do what I want. So that's what happens. 
I, I, <laughs> the cartoons we grew up still hold. Oh, Bugs Bunny, I, I can definitely probably watch about any given moment because there's lots of adult humor. I'm like, whoa, that flew back then. <laughs> like, that's interesting. Yes. I don't know about watching like a He-Man yeah. or G.I. Joe, like that kind of stuff. I've seen here and there and I'm like, oh, luckily I didn't have the brain I did. Uh, yeah. How did I watch that? Yeah. Right. No, but like Looney Tunes, I will sit oh, and yeah. watch that now. As yeah. an adult, I will sit and watch that. Yeah. yeah. Like one morning I cracked up. I swear my cat woke me up to watch cartoons. Like it was so early one day <laughs> and he was just roaming around like not sleeping and like kind of just being agitated and i was like what do you need and so i was like do you want to watch cartoons so we walk out in the living room i turn on cartoons he sits in my lap and chills out for the rest of the time i was like See? you mother oh. yeah it cracked me up i was like well i guess carl wanted to watch cartoons <laughs> okay and so <laughs> That's hilarious. Mean, people and their cats i know uh it's, i uh, know i 13 years old he is right now i've had him for 12 and so Oh, wow. He usually makes a camera at some point during, he'll come and sit in my lap for a little bit. Yeah. Podcast. Well, yeah. One of one of mine jumped up a little bit ago. You saw. Yeah. How many you have? <laughs> we have four cats now. <laughs> wow. We had two. Yeah, we had two, which was like great balance. It was like yin and yang. They were so great. And then I went to South Dakota and there were all these little kittens that needed adopted. And so I brought home two. So many and people they are want to give us like cats. little kids. They are crazy, crazy cats. People all the time that litters and all that. And they're like, you want cats? And I was like, my cat is really territorial. <laughs> and our other cat is really scaredy cat. And so... There's no, oh. there, neither of them would work with new cats in the, in the system, especially my cat is old age and, um, Althea is the other cat and she's like seven. And if you agitate her world, she'll go and pee on your clothes. So I'm very much oh, like, no. we're, yeah. we're cool right now. No new animals to the households. We'll, we'll be all right for a little while. That's so funny. That's exactly what we had. Ying and Yang and adorable just he's completely neurotic and only lives in our bedroom yeah and the other day my husband had been on a trip for about a week and he decided he was never coming back and he was acting weird and he peed on the bed so we just got a new mattress because uh-huh. i i don't know if you can wash a foam mattress but that went away <laughs> yeah i don't know what you would have to do if it if Pee uh, cat I, don't even bed. I don't know how that would work out. Their, their pee is just potent. Is all like, ugh. oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, I couldn't even stand it. I was like, nope, this is out right now. We're done here. <laughs> yeah. So we wind back to your high school years. You became Fine. a trainer, an athletic trainer, yeah. which, as yep. a former athlete, some of my favorite people. Which people find that shocking, and I was like, no, I. I got hurt enough and and needed to be fixed and taped up. And um, I remember uh, my senior high school, I sprained my ankle, severely bagged ski wreck. I was a downhill skier. And Miss G, luckily I was nice enough to for a while, she would open up, (laughs) tape my ankle. You know, and then so I could walk around all day and I come back and do exercises and everything. And 
at that same time in our PE class, PE, uh, advanced PE, there was a training session section on how to do all that and learn about all that stuff. And I was like, well, I can't do any activities right now because I'm all hobbled up. So people can practice taping me up if they needed to. And I learned a lot about like checking ankles and all that stuff. And so I've checked a few injuries here and there. And I'm like, I'm no expert. You want to go to a doctor, but I don't think it's like shattered or broken anything like that. But yeah, it's uh, so I'm sure you, did you, you've dealt with some some gruesome injuries from other people. Um, what was the worst one you probably saw? Um, gosh, I'm trying to think, um, you know, <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually, the, the worst I saw was, um, and this actually had nothing to do with high school training, but some friends of mine went to a rodeo school in South Dakota and they came back beat uh, and so they're like, will you wrap my ribs? Will you wrap my ankle? So <laughs> that was, yeah. that was pretty brutal. Like <laughs> those rodeo guys, man, I don't know. They, they were some pretty gnarly wounds. Those oh, I guys. Bet. I bet. I, yeah. Side story. I, we were doing a video shoot on the, re the retirement of the rodeo coach at the university of Wyoming. And one of the interns happened mm -hmm. to be on the rodeo team. This is in college. And so I'm a, I have my camera of videographer and I was up in the shoot, which I'm like right next to the bull. It's like almost on my, like my hip is right there. My intern guy is mm -hmm. strapping in and I'm there going, you are so crazy. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like anybody do. Cause I was up in person. I've seen bull riding and all that stuff on TV and, and, but you don't realize yeah. how big of a beast that thing is until you're right there and i'm like respect and i never said from there on out oh i could ride a bull <laughs> never said that ever ever again i was like nope i've rolled the electric electronic bulls the those ones right. the bars and such i've done that that's no big deal oh, yeah. yeah but not a never a real one that's scary and so the rodeo guys i'm sure their yeah. injuries were were rough i saw the worst injury i ever saw i think what guy broke his arm in eighth grade and the bone came out it was gross but oh. yeah. And then like, yeah. I think one of the trainers, one of these ones, I don't know, popped my pinky. Like it was yes, getting sideways. Yeah. Yes. The pinkies. Oh my gosh. That was always happening. Yeah. And I don't, I never had to like do anything with it, but yeah, that happened a lot. I learned to tape my hands after it because it, it was just natural. And, but then I couldn't play without my fingers being taped together, even though it was healed up and it was fine. It just felt wrong that they weren't together. They weren't braced together. Really? Yeah. It was like <laughs> that. I remember that. And like, it was hard to uh, go back to not wearing like almost like ah, glove, but I was where do practice? And I came up over the kind of top of the, the pile. And as I'm coming up, a helmet goes like helmet to my fist, not me punching it. It's, oh. it's my fist. And so my hand all swears, swells up and oh, I get it taped God. up all the time. And it, after it went down and everything was good, I was like, God, it feels weird not to be taped up again. So I think I made it through a couple more weeks or games and then I was eventually ready to go. But I was like, no, this feels, it's fine. It's healed, but it was hard not to play with that kind of tape. Oh, like the football injuries. I swear I got a concussion my first year that took out my shoulder at the same time. 
Um, that, not my first year, my sophomore year of college, yeah. college football. And then I got tendonitis my junior year, my knee from ankle weights. And so those are like injuries that slowed mm. me down a ton. So by my senior, I was like, nothing is going to do that again. Kept myself relatively healthy minus the that kind that punching of the helmet and the tape, you know, the finger that yes. went sideways a little bit, yeah. but nothing kept me. Oh, I, I forgot. I read this on Facebook today. Somebody broke their toe for the first time. A buddy of mine, he's like, I haven't broken the Don Smith hadn't broke his any bones in his life until now. And he broke it on a coffee table. And I was like, I did that exact thing oh. in high school, little toe. And I had to wear like socks and sandals, like, like Tevas around during the day. <laughs> And he then, was. yeah, he was. And then, oh, then like put my cleat on and like strap. It was a little bit painful. I think Miss G made a, oh, a thing for my foot too. And, and to the day, I like, I've cut my back of my head on that thing when I was a little kid. My dad dropped me on it a few times, twice, I think. My mom still has that coffee <laughs> table. It's solid, <laughs> solid, like oak. Like, no, I'm like, I better oh get this thing. God. This better be gifted to me because I might like burn it or something. It's actually really nice now, but you just got to avoid it with your, your feet at all times. You need to get rid of the coffee table of doom. Yes. When they got it refurbished because <laughs> they moved to Vegas and I walked into that room that had it and I was like, oh, the death table. And so my mom's like, sorry, you'll probably get it when we're gone. And I was like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> oh my God. That's just cruel. Yeah. Like, don't leave me. Yeah. And so, yeah, those are, I mean, I not, I don't feel I'm accent prone, but playing sports, like you're going to get hurt. And that's, I'll tell everyone that uh, kids and stuff, they're like, should I play football? I'm, I don't want to get hurt. And I was like, if you play with that attitude, you're going to get hurt. I never had that attitude. There were times where I got hit mm -hmm. so hard. I was like, I don't know if this is a fun sport anymore, but I hit a lot of people hard enough right. for them to probably say that. What, did... <laughs> what was it? Detai always would say, like, um, he was just, he was just so nonchalant about people getting hit. I remember that. I would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just saw that. And he's like, ah, rub some dirt in it or whatever it yeah. was. He would say he was just so like, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, go like the do devil. it again. Run again. Like, and like, it would be weird to see if like, I'm sure he cared. I know he cared, but I'm sure you'd walk over, you know, every once in a while you walk over and be like, you all right. And you're like, okay. I'm okay. I think oh, sorry. different players got the different talks afterwards. Like if you got, he would, he would make his way, but he didn't I want know. it to be like a huge, okay, everybody get scared and look at this guy, you know? And so like, if you were okay later on the sidelines, he'd give you a, you're all right. Fine. Moving on. Or, you know, detail way. Go like the devil, do yeah. the little things. The big things take care of themselves. I mean, I got we've got a ton of detaisms, um, and we started talking about it. Yeah, when uh, his past uh, his funeral afterwards was a bunch of football players just reminiscing about. I like he was one of the like smallest dudes I've ever been scared of in my life. <laughs> and and the, and the other smallest guy on our, our coaching staff was the line coach Robertson. I was just as scared as him too. And I was like, I'm twice as big as these guys. They could stack them on top of each other and they'd be about my height. So I was always scared of them, but I learned a lot from them a ton um, and everything playing sports and such, but it is interesting. And, and the trainers always kept me entertained on the sidelines. Cause I'd always be 
talk when I didn't start and stuff like that. Sophomore and junior years. Yeah. I was always hanging out with the trainers and stuff. I should have been paying attention to the game more, but you know, cool people and all that. (laughs) And so did you do, were you across all sports as a trainer? Um, I mostly was football um, is what I remember most. I did. um, I remember going to a couple wrestling matches and, they were weird. Like you had to like sit there cross-legged the whole time while everybody's wrestling. I always thought that was really weird, but, but yeah, mostly football, um, some basketball. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess track too, but there wasn't really a lot to do. Um, you know, sometimes somebody pull a hammy or their ankle wrap, but yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. Did, um, were you a part of any of other activities besides like training? Were you into like drama club or FBLA? Yeah. So yeah, my senior year, I was treasurer of young Republicans. I was secretary of FBLA. Um, I debated for all three years of high school. Um, I worked after school at a law office. Um, so yeah, I was pretty busy. Um, I took second in the state mock trials my senior year. I was in business law and we participated in state mock trials um what, so yeah i was interested a, in that mock trials um i wanted i wanted to be a lawyer all, all through high school i was going to be a lawyer so i was like i'm not going to work at fast food so i got a job at a law office uh during the summers and after school and um yeah that's why i debated and yeah, I was going to go to New York and work in imports and be, a, be in law. So that didn't happen. And that, didn't that was the plan. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, mine was to play in the NFL and fell a little bit short of that one. Uh, that was a weird, like, how I, the, the, the realization that you're not going to play, even college sports, like, and I was, I think I was burned out too, going into college, like, it's a lot of time of your life to, to spend in athletics and stuff. And, and that summary for like did some partying and drinking and stuff. So I was like, yeah, sports again. <laughs> yeah. And I, cause I had planned, I thought I was going to walk on, I was going to get myself a year of college then walk on. And I, I got myself in shape my, yeah. for the second year and w- went and watched practice. And I had already been paying attention to practice because just through my degree in broadcasting. And I was like, watching and I go, those guys are going to kill me. So let's not play football and just let the, let just soak in those good times you had and, and let it go that you're not going to do this anymore, which is, it's hard to do for a lot of people. And it's still something, it took Uh, a long time for me to, it took a while for me to go and watch high school football after I was done playing and I coached it and such I coached little kids, but it's hard to go to a game. And such. And, and the first time I went, I was like, oh, I need to be, I wish I was out there, but yeah, my body thanks me for not. I sound like a popcorn machine well enough. And uh, nowadays I wish I kind of right. use my brain a little bit more back then than um, bashing it into things. Uh, I, I was in DECA. Well, and it's funny. Yes. DECA was cool. I didn't do DECA. Yeah. I wish I would have known more about it, but I did not. Sorry, I'm plugging my phone in. Uh, um, I weirdly, but I didn't know about DECA. 
I weirdly stumbled into it because they they send pe- representatives to the junior high to get people to join clubs, and yet yeah, all those clubs, FBLA, DECA, and the DECA people that were there, there were two girls, and they're very attractive. And I was like, that's the club I'm in. I'm going to advertising, marketing, sure, me. I'm in. And by the time I got to high school, they were seniors at the time. So when I got into high school, they graduated. And it was Gwen Falgren's older sister. I can't remember the other girl was. But yeah, it, I was like, oh, they're gone. I guess I better learn DECA. I mean, marketing and such. And so what well, the classes were all right. I sucked at our state competitions and everything like that. Uh, I eventually was the president of it my senior year, which was like the only like office oh, I held or anything like that. Yeah, it was interesting to be because I was the only guy with a cabinet of all females. And um, I, they, everyone knew that football was my first like and skiing sports and stuff were my kind of my first passion. So I missed out on a few like yeah. national events and stuff like that because I, I was not I was too busy. And I, and I was involved with like drama and stuff but to a point where I wasn't in drama club, but I, I did classes and stuff and I just didn't ever try out because I had football practice. Eighth grade, I went out for the play and didn't play basketball that year. I was a doctor in the Velveteen Rabbit. And really? so, yeah, yeah. I've always had, I don't know, a, a flair for like acting would have been fun to do to pursue i know a lot i know some people that have tried and they're great waiters and waitresses now yeah. and so uh i went i mean <laughs> it was fun um and that's how it probably worked out that like brought my personality across on video and and radio and podcasts and stuff i'm not shy when it comes to that kind of stuff i'm not shy in a lot of ways when it comes to that kind of stuff and so you, you're, you're stacked full of, you're working at a law firm and you're ready to go to graduate college. I mean, high school, I meant, sorry about college. Did you know you wanted to go to college? Where did you want to go? Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to take a gap year okay. and go back to UW, I thought. And, um, you know, life just kind of got in the way. I met my first husband and was deliriously in love and was so excited to like start my own life and my own family. And, um, right out of high school, like I, well, okay, let's back up. Sorry. Buckle in rude. Like just tuck in for this story. Okay. So backing up high school graduation comes around and I am literally my, my, biological mom is at my foster parents house helping me like address notification you know the notifications that somebody's graduating whatever whatever so that day the phone rings while she is there and there's an older gentleman on the phone and he says is harmony there and i said this is harmony and he goes this is daryl hogan <laughs> and i fell on the kitchen floor. So um, I had asked my mom, because when I was little, I was a daddy's girl, I would follow my grandpa around. And I just wanted to be fishing and, you know, painting the fence with him and just whatever. So I would ask my mom a lot about my dad. And finally, she broke down and gave me his name. So 
I knew that was him on the phone. So <laughs> she talked to him because she was there and he didn't know about me. She had written a letter and sent it general delivery, Newell, South Dakota, because that was the last town she knew he lived in. And she had told my grandma about me when she was pregnant and my grandpa never told my dad. So he found out by this letter. So he's the oldest of several children and he doesn't have any kids his own. So he thought he had just completely missed the opportunity to have children. So uh, we make this plan. I'm going to drive up there because after graduation, I'm going to go see my grandparents. Then I'm going to, you know, go back and, and meet him. So, so I'd gone up, met him. We were just like two peas in a pod. Like we literally, if I had a mustache, that is what my dad looks like. So (laughs) we walk the same, we sound the same. Um, and we, we just hit it off. We're just good friends. So I go to my grandparents on the Eastern side as I'm coming back, I have this POS Mazda, right? Like car that I bought. And it had this fun habit of when you would push on the brakes, the car would turn off and the steering would lock. So I'm going around the S curves in Sturgis and it's raining and my car starts hydroplaning. So I get in this horrendous wreck and like literally the bar that your seatbelt is on was touching my back seat and the car came in right beside me. So the, the seat I was in got pushed forward. So it cracked my clavicle. So I'm stuck in South Dakota having met my dad one time and I have to call my foster parents and tell them I've wrecked my car. They have to drive up and come get me. So, so that was awful, but I was in Laramie and I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, I have to find a job and I'm in all this pain. It was crazy. So one of the ladies I worked with at the law office called me and she said, I need an office manager. And she was down in Colorado And she worked for a telephone communication construction company, and they were getting ready to sign a huge contract with, I guess it was Sprint at the time. And it was like a $25 million contract or some crazy, it was really big for the time. So I went down there and started working in telephone communication construction in this office. And that's when I met my first husband and I loved my job and I had worked around lawyers, you know, my entire working career of being in high school. And these guys were making so much money and they were just the coolest people. They were super just like chill and salt of the earth and funny and they were just great. So I kind of just kind of kept doing that. And, um, you know, had my baby, my first son. And, um, by the time I was, uh, 21, I think I realized that my husband would be perfect for like an 18 year old. Cause he was an, you know, <laughs> so I was like, well, this isn't really going to work out. So we moved on. And, um, so then I was, I had gotten a job at, uh, as just a secretary of, a big construction company. It was called Gilbane at the time. It was like the second largest construction company in America. 
And they were building Amgen in Longmont, which was like a $280 million biopharmaceutical company. And so I just learned everything I could from them. They taught me how to read blueprints. And by the end of that project, I was the document control manager and I did all the turnover and all the, you know, submittals and RFIs and all the red line documents to turn them over. And so then I just stayed in construction management for 20 years, <laughs> just working my way up and, you know, owned a company for a while, sold that off. Um, you know, met another husband, had another son, got another divorce, you know, so it was, it was crazy, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of projects in the front range. And, um, so yeah, I ended up not going to college because that just is kind of what happened. And I thought, oh, you know, I was so young when I had my sons, I thought, oh, I'll just figure out what I want to do when they leave the house. So now my youngest is getting ready to start his post-secondary education. So I've got like a year to figure out what I'm going to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of what's going on there. Right. But yeah, it was a great career. You got that real world experience right off the bat and learning all the blueprints and documentation and probably, um, I mean, it kept you in construction and management and stuff like that. Hey, as a guy that went to college, mm -hmm. uh, it's not for everybody and it doesn't always get you results. I used to kind of get jealous of the people I'd run into at, from WyoTech because they always got job placement. <laughs> and I was like, I have right. guaranteed resumes once I finished college. There was no job placement, stuff like that. And so I'm like, I don't know if I would not take the same route. I don't know. Maybe not. Broadcasting is treating me well. I might be a teacher. That's what I probably would have done if I didn't go into broadcasting. Really? But uh, yeah, you didn't, I guess you could, you could always go back to college. That's very true. Um, if you want, uh, I always consider lifelong lear life learning. I'm never going back and I worked there. Right? Like I get, we get a free credit or whatever class per semester, or I think something like that per semester. And I'm like, no, because I remember in college, the underlying feeling all the time was I should study. I need to, I should probably be studying. I should probably be doing something that's good for my college career. And I hated that feeling because right. I wasn't, I was having a lot of fun. And I mean, I studied when I, here and there, better student later in my college career than I ever was in the beginning. And I had one of those moments where I walked out of class, the last class, and I was like, I'll never go back. I never knew I'd come back to what Laramie after that, but I was like, I'll never go back. Right. I threw the books in the air and all that. I was like, I'm done. And uh, yeah, now I'm there. <laughs> That's working. how I was. I was yeah. like, I'm never coming back to Laramie. <laughs> yeah. And then like three years after that, I got my uh, divorce and everything. I, I was married and, and no kids. Uh, if I probably had kids, I'd probably still be living in New York if I had had kids with her. Um, I'd probably stuck yeah. out there. Um, but it was one of those things where it was like, it f felt like the next move in life. Not necessarily that we were like head over heels. We kind of were a little bit, but cause she was from England. I was from Wyoming. We met at a summer camp. And so it was a lot of newness and we weren't always together all the time. So every time we were together, it was, it was fire, but then you get married and daily yeah. life shit happens. Yeah. And we didn't realize how opposites we were. <laughs> and 
after a while you get tired of that that battle of oh we're never going to figure each other out and and so it i don't hate her or anything like that it just didn't work out um, right the best for her life yeah. right now and i came back to wyoming and i came yeah. back to laramie for a job at the university of wyoming and i was like five years and then i'm going to move on to oregon back home what i thought i was going to do and that five yeah. year hit mark and now i'm at almost year 18 and own a house nice. great relationship like there, it's not yeah not going anywhere i never thought laramie would be my that i would probably end up retiring from the university of wyoming which will probably happen and it's but you know yeah. like you said you were going to go yeah, be a lawyer just, like life life just throws yeah. the, the curveball I, at you. <laughs> I never thought i'd come back to laramie and i remember same thing i'm like i'm out i'm never coming back um my dad my well my foster dad he used to call it uh he said that's why they named it the boomerang is because people leave but they always come back so <laughs> that is that i believe that now i should have thought of that when I, the boomerang pay for yeah yeah there, yeah, there are a few people i know that have boomeranged like me or like mm -hmm. they've come back way down the line after being gone you know yeah 10 15 years i'm like i can't believe i'm back in laramie and i'm like well, it yeah is what it is and it, but it's a safe town i think and and like yeah you still lock is. up everything like I, i'm a new yorker but um that's just me and uh, yeah there's, there's lots of interesting cool stuff about it and uh, this year has been a very mild winter so uh so far yeah not good right now and everybody's always shocked i went to sheridan this last weekend and for my buddy's birthday and they're just covered in so much more snow than we have so much more weather than we have and i showed them all like i've like security cameras and we didn't have any snow a lot of snow in laramie and i was like look that's my front yard and they're like you guys don't have any snow and i was like i know and then it snowed later but yeah it was uh mm -hmm. not too bad so wait you're back in laramie now i thought you were like a cheyenne or something yeah well so okay. here's what happened all right so i was at the airport and i was on several on-call contracts so you're welcome for the big blue horse that was one of my projects uh, <laughs> yeah it was crazy uh but i was at the airport and i met my husband at the airport he ended up getting he was the assistant federal security director for all of wyoming so he moved to casper and i was still at dia and laramie is kind of halfway so all of my sisters and um friends were here and you know my son was like six years old at the time well he was i think he was even littler than that but anyway um they would always say oh meet me in fort collins meet me in Greeley. we need something to do for the kids and so I said, you know, it'd be fun is an indoor play place for kids. So that's when I uh, started Hop, House of Counts. So I bought the, the bounce houses and I put them in the old Laramie Rec Center. And um, so I would do that on the weekends. We did hundreds of little kid parties. And then um, I ended up going to Casper for three months. And I'm like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> so I moved to okay. Laramie. I moved back to Laramie to just run hop and it happened that there was a project engineer position for the bison run job. And so that was where we tore down married student housing and we built those big apartment buildings. Yeah. So I was the project engineer on that. And then I just did hop full time when, when that 
finished. And it kind of morphed into, well, can you do a sweet 16? Can you do a retirement? So I was doing all these party event planning and you wouldn't think construction management, party planning, but you know, it's kind of the same. You're scheduling and budgeting and, you know, talking to vendors. So it was, it was a very seamless transition. I loved it. I love a good party. So um, I had done so many weddings at the Hilton. They're like, you should just come to work for us. So that's how I got into hospitality. And so I was at the Hilton uh, as a senior sales manager and I ended up setting up an event for AIA, which is Architects Institute of America. And the guy was like, I need a project manager on the job across the street, which was the uh, Marion Rochelle Gateway Center. So I ended up being a project manager on, on that. There was, I was one of three project managers on that. But we were, um, we were owner's reps on that job. And then um, through that, we were trying to figure out what to do with that breaking through statue because you can't build a 30 foot masonry wall in Wyoming. It will blow over. (laughs) So um, I found this product in Texas and it's, it's just reconstituted limestone basically, but you mix it with water and you spray it on and you can carve it and stain it any way you want. So, um, so I did the breaking through statue. I went down to Texas. I got trained. Um, I did that. I still had, my holding company from when I had hop because I sold it in 2014. Um, So I still had that. So, um, you know, starting another business was easy, but I basically just did it for that. And then I went back to hospitality and I was a director of sales. I was a dual. Then I got a job in Cheyenne and I was commuting the whole time. So yeah. So I, I was still living in Laramie, but I was a director of sales for Marriott and a Hilton in Cheyenne and then was a general manager of the Fairfield in Cheyenne. So I was still, still living here, but just okay. commuting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Rough to, that commute. If it was just, you know, there was oh no big gosh. pass between us. It'd be, we, well, there'd be just straight city between us and it'd be Lair Cheyenne, mm-hmm. but we have big old pass and it's dangerous. And so, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah. it's a, uh, I wouldn't, I. Yeah. I and I told it. myself I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I told myself I loved it until I didn't have to do it anymore. And then I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I dated a couple of girls in Cheyenne. And so it was like rotate off weekends, whatever. Like, and I tried to be like, okay, I'll stay in Cheyenne like for the week and then commute back to Laramie. And I was like, this, no, nah, it's not going to work. And I, at the time, I had a job that was like, <laughs> I could be on, I was on call till 10 at night a lot of times. So, to leave Laramie was, was difficult to like go back to Cheyenne. So safe to say those relationships didn't work out right like that. Um, your, yeah. your son, your youngest son, he's in high school, you said? Well, so he was in high school. Um, COVID made everything kind of go online and it sucked. And he was a junior. And he, he uh, just turned 16 in September and it was, it was brutal. It was brutal. Rude. Like it was hard. And so I told him, I said, I'm not going to make you suffer through two more years of this. If you want to get your high set, do it. So he looked into it and he said, yeah, I want to do it. So we unenrolled him from school in October, which as a parent was really scary, but he had his high set 
by Christmas. So he, he was super happy. I was super happy. So yeah. So he's getting ready to start. Um, actually he's starting at WyoTech. It was not my choice. I was like, no, you need to go to UW and you need to be in business and be a CEO. He's like, nope, I love cars. I was like, okay. <laughs> that kind of goes back to the job placements and, and it like, we need people to work on cars and do that kind of stuff. And if you're passionate for it, yes, yes. Do that. Please do that kind of work. And yeah. And you can still be a CEO off that. So, you know, cause you can get right. experience yeah. in a shop. Or oh whatever. yeah. No, he has like, a whole plan. Cool. Yeah, because I asked that yeah. question about your son, right. son being in high school because I was going to scout COVID and you just answered it right away and saying how bad it sucked and everything. And because I was like, I COVID for me as a 40 something year old, 46 year old, uh, when they're like, hey, stay home. I'm like, well, don't tempt me with a good time. You know, like, oh, shit, I'll stay right. home. That's not a problem. Like, I'll stay home. it was a lot of reflection time of the fat, the life that had just gone by. And so I spent a lot of time going, whoa. Mm. And then doing these podcasts where I get to hear other people's lives and stuff and, and kind of a lot of reflection of where we've been and where we've come. Uh, COVID's definitely given me a lot of thinking time. I just can't imagine. And everything. Oh, I feel. Yeah. I, I missed COVID. <laughs> like I, at the hotel, Frontier Days was canceled. I had 400 more room nights this July than I did last July, 400 more room nights in July than when, yeah, because Colorado was shut down. So all of the baseball tournaments were coming up to Wyoming. Uh, I was busier and the rest of the world was in a pandemic. So I couldn't order toilet paper uh, yeah. and I had more guests. It was really busy. I, I was so jealous. People are like making sourdough bread and I'm like, I hate you. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I'm reconnecting with my kids and day drinking. I'm like, go to hell. Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't like, well, yeah, so I missed COVID. I will work in the university. Uh, suddenly it became essential and on my, I work in it. And so oh. it was supporting the rooms and supporting okay. the features so we could teach at a distance, like video conferencing, such zoom and everything. And I've been working yeah. with. I've been working in the distance ed field since 2006, just through some university maneuvers, not my own. Uh, I ended up in IT because uh, I got rid of our outreach school. And so COVID actually worked into my wheelhouse. It kept me real busy because these are a lot of my skills. And um, I worked at home for maybe a month. And then we got a huge like technology upgrade that a bunch of money was being spent. And, and at the time I was like, okay, we learned so much more about COVID at the time that not like someone coughed on your mouse and you touch it, it'll get you sick. Like that kind of stuff wasn't necessarily <laughs> the, uh, the thing. And it was less scary right. to work. And I have an office that I have by myself and I don't, we don't have central air because our buildings are also old. So I mm. could go in my office and take off a mask. And if I, if I had to go to work and work in a mask the whole time, it would be a little, I could be like, well, can I work at home now? Cause that would suck. But I, I have a cool mask where I can pop off my ear things that Velcro's in the back. So it doesn't oh. me as much, but um, cool. yeah, it was, I didn't turn to the bottle until recently. Um, 
I was just like, well, you're like, you got to protect your immune system. Got to protect your immune system. I'm not a diabetic. And so I was like, okay, drinking does not help my immune system. And so I kind of kept it off. But yet somewhere in mid-January, I broke. I was like, (laughs) and not like I wasn't drinking, but no, this was like, now I do more consistent drinking. Like, oh, it's Tuesday. Let's have some drinks, you know? And and yeah, yeah. And I started a little pod of people. I've had over uh, mm-hmm. just yesterday on Wednesday nights, I mean, just small gathering. Tia had done it with a few of her friends and they still do it. And so I was like, that's a good idea. And it's just good to talk to people. And if we're all in the same boat, doing the same thing with our jobs, we're social distance, wearing masks, less likelihood we're all going to give each other COVID. We're kind of, that, that was kind of my underlying thing. I was like, if you are not on the same page as the rest of everybody that's coming over, then don't. You know, and so mm-hmm. kind of laid out some great, and you have to have that hard talk. Like, where did you go? Who'd you see? What'd you yeah. do? You know, kind of thing with your friends. If uh-huh. you're over. And I'm, I'm, I was like, I don't do anything. The most I do is go to the store right. and that's the most random people I'm around. And otherwise I'm home or at work. Um, I've traveled, yep. a bit, but also I travel to smaller areas. I'm not driving into that, like, you know, New Orleans or anything like that. Like, no, thank you. My parents live in Vegas. I'm like, hey, right? No, no Mardi Gras. No Mardi Gras. No Vegas. And so, I mean, I'm chomping at the bit to get that vaccine because diabetic and yeah, it's an ass kicker. Like ass kill, it kills you. Oh sure. So, sure. Um, and like I, uh, yeah. My mom got the vaccine. So did my dad. So my stepdad. Tia's got all rounds. She has had her second one um, this last Wednesday and she's hurting. It's like hurting tonight, actually. It's Thursday oh, when we're yeah. recording this, but she's hurting and everything. My mom doing okay. Uh, the Moderna shot is the one that's giving the second shots people are having reactions to. My dad had the Pfizer one out in New York. Uh, I'm not New York, out in Oregon. Gosh. And uh, <laughs> totally I'm opposite. Fine. Yeah, we're from Oregon. And uh, he's fine. He asked, he's like, oh, my arm was a little sore, but I'm good. He's had both of his done. And yeah, I kind of like, yes, let's get this thing over with. Let's get back to not wearing masks and hugging people and everything like that. It's going to be weird. We're all socially awkward right now. It's going to be hard to be around each other. Like when we, when it's safe. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't know, like at our work, like nobody like they don't tell you you can't wear a mask or you have to wear a mask but nobody at our office is wearing masks and it like nobody's catching anything and I mean we're all kind of like in our cubes so I guess it's not super crucial but I forget that the rest of the world is like in this pandemic you know what I mean like of course like I go to the store and I'm wearing a mask because you know that's the rule that's what you do but um, when you go to places that are like, no, it's fine. So like even my chiropractor, they're like, no, it's okay. Just distance. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, it, it is weird in some regards, but I've been largely unaffected by it. And I'm super grateful that people are taking, um, the, you know, the shots and everything. Mm. I am super nervous and I will tell you why. So I, you, I have gotten flu shots before 
And I react violently to flu shots. I don't know what it is. Um, and one of my sons is the same way. One of my sons can take a flu shot and it's fine. One takes it and he is violently ill. And so I am super afraid to take it just because of how I react to the normal flu shot. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm letting myself in for, but um, I, so I'm super nervous about the vaccine, but that just personally, not in general, like I have no political, like, I don't oh, care. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Politically. You're worried about <laughs> the own reaction to you because of your yeah. prior reactions to it. That makes total sense. Uh, the yeah. only time I've ever taken and gotten a flu shot, I got the flu. And yes. so I was like, yeah. why am I doing this? Um, and then like my mom was all dead set about it. Yeah, I get that flu shot, get a flu shot. And I never did. I kept forgetting for this year and flu's gone down. And she, and I'm like, because we all have masks on, that's why it's gone down. Like the, the flu, like any people getting the flu just isn't happening as much. Cause we're social yeah, distancing or another, another, uh, another uh, virus we're staying away from. Oh yeah. It's uh it's, it's very interesting how um, you get expert non-expert opinions <laughs> on Facebook and from people like, I, I'll tell you, I'm an expert like at video stuff. And there's some things in my life. Yes, I'm on expert level, but I'm not on expert science level. No, <laughs> I, I know those people. I have a few friends that are a, a really smart scientists and such. And I am like, I will listen to you. You are the expert. I respect that. I respect exactly. You. you did the work. I'm in. Yep. All right. But if you want to know how to set up your TV, I'm the expert. I'll show you, you know. And it works yeah. both ways like that. And, and, and so, yeah, it's weird that this day and age that the disinformation about like you could, someone is like, Oh, I'm not going to get the shot because I read this and that. And this misinformation yeah. thing, I was like, yeah. I understand your situation. I was like, yeah. And my stepmom's really uh, highly allergic to a lot of stuff and same with my stepsister. And so they're going to have to, when they get the vaccines, they're probably going to be in a room with, they need a doctor there. You'll probably need a, a real, you can't just have it in like the Kmart parking lot. Like you can't just drive up right. and do that one. <laughs> no, you're going to have to, you're going to need some medical professionals in the office because you'll probably have to say, this is what happens. So you're going to have to have back me if I'm going to get this, you know, and maybe you can dip, dodge and dive around getting it yeah. until everybody's got, we've got enough uh, mass immunity. And you might right. not have to, I mean, I wouldn't, I would hate to have to wait that long. I know I couldn't, I know, I know. watching the side effects. Yeah. I'm like, Hmm, it doesn't hmm. look fun, but oh, I think it'd be a workout for me. I, besides getting that flu that one time and I get shots at nothing scares me about shots. I get my blood taken every six months for diabetes all the time. Right. So I'm like, yep. I don't, I feel vulnerable because I have diabetes. That's a thing. Sure. It's a, it's a Absolutely. I, I want to have, I'll still wear the mask beyond the point, whatever needs to be done. If you, I'll do that, even though I'll have the vaccine, it's just that it'll be giving peace of mind. It gives me peace of mind knowing that everyone I love seems to have it right now, except my stepmom. And she's not weird. Like I said, the, the, uh, allergenic part of her. And she's, in, I think she might be 69 and they're not into that age range yet out in Oregon. So and such, a, I can't wait till we stop talking about COVID. Hopefully, it doesn't some ass kicker doesn't come along right after it. It, it was, you know, we need some <laughs> some recovery time. To be like, oh, remember those 
two years we had to wear a mask all the time. That was crazy. And so it's crazy. Yeah. And you know, you look back at like our grandparents and great grandparents with the Spanish influenza and stuff. And, you know, every once in a while, I wonder, will things ever be back to normal? And then you look back and go, Oh, you know, the world's been through pandemics before and, you know, the sun still rises and the flowers still come up and, you know, we still can be good to each other. We can still be kind and gracious and, and love each other. Um, you know, we'll get through it. It'll be all right. Yeah. As I always say, I heard this from somebody ago, we're all in the same storm. We just all have different boats. Depending on where you're at. (laughs) Yeah. We're all different boats and, and our boats here in Wyoming are just kind of, you know, in a calm, like there's not, it's not really going up. It's not, we can do a lot more stuff. We have less population. This is just, when you have less population, you, you, and you stay home, you can't spread it around as much. It needs a host. But when you live in places like Denver and Seattle and Portland and New York, there's people stacked on top of people. It's so easily spread that way. People on top of people. Yeah, it's crazy. We live in layers. It's weird. That's how I lived in New York. And that's how I was like, I want to be the guy in the top. I'm tired of being in the bottom or the middle or wherever. I didn't know where I was at. But I was like, I'm tired of this. And so I don't feel like that here. And once I started driving east to move back, driving west to move back and the mountains started rising up and everything, I was like home like this. is, And I can see things coming. I'm like, oh, got some wide open spaces. Yes, you can see the weather coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's handy. And so we go to New York a lot. Yeah. It's so busy. Oh, yeah. Like I went back in probably 11, 11 years. Wow. And. I remember the first time I went back and it, we're landing in LaGuardia and I'm, ha- I'm getting like almost near panic attack. Like all the stuff just starts rolling in like that. I left in my rear mirror. I mean, I had friends out there I still do, but it was the, the anxiety and the hustle and bustle, the smell of New York. I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I, when I was there visiting, I was like, I got to do things I don't normally do when I lived there. And so my buddy, my friend who I went to visit, he was looking in Brooklyn. I never really hung out there. It was like, I was fine. But then his parents lived on Long Island where I was from, not too far from where I worked and lived and such. So we went to go visit them. And that's when I was just almost in the car going, oh God, okay, yeah. Oh man, everything's kind of rolling back because you leave kind of in a bitter taste through a divorce. And so you're just like, Ugh. yeah, you know? And yeah. so New York, yeah, that anxiety. Very, it's very, yeah. I love it and I hate it at the same time. And, and so maybe that's why I don't go back. I also was there during 9-11. So those memories, and I worked at a TV station. Oh. A lot of that, oh, there's lots of oh, interesting wow. memories. So yeah, but otherwise, yeah. if you want to live in New York, you better have some money. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we go back once in a while to visit my husband's family and, um, the last time I was there, I just remember being on the subway and the trains and in cabs and everything was just constantly rushing past you. Even when you're driving like from New York to New Jersey and there's just the trees are just like right in your face oh, yeah. and Dunkin' Donut on every freaking corner is like whipping past you. And I just remember coming back and you could just see for miles and it was so calming. And I was like, 
I never thought I would be happy <laughs> to come back, but I was. Definitely. Uh, I remember being, I've had my like, I've had a bunch of different New York moments, but I be on a subway when you said subway, I was like, being on a subway in summertime when it just stops or breaks down and it's packed and people are just leaning on you and everything. And, and you're used to us being Wyoming people, like social distancing is normal to us. Like the six feet apart is normal. Yeah. And so there right. I'm like, I just want to scream, like, just get off me. Like this is, so, and I'm not, I'm much smaller now. I was like nearly 300 pounds when I lived there. Um, when I first moved there, then that's where I got diabetes getting so big and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was in my family, but at the time I was big. So like, I can't just like get smaller. I was like taking up space myself. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is terrible. There's too many people here. And uh, I did a lot of cool stuff with my job, met some interesting celebrities and such. Saw a lot of great concerts, saw a lot of great sporting yeah. events. Yeah. There was good things to be had, but yeah, home is definitely in middle America here in Wyoming uh for sure nice uh to be away from all those people and i used to tell my friends out there in new york i'd be like you should live come live out here and i didn't mean wyoming i meant west they all end up in colorado but i was like come live west i was like wide open spaces is good for the soul i was like you'll live longer and i think a lot of people during covid and like you were busy with people staying at the hotel because people were coming to wyoming for those wide open spaces and i was like well let's not all go to the same wide open space like the spread there's out. others yeah there's a lot of other places but uh yeah it was uh it's very been a very interesting and in a, in a uh social uh, like just study of how people are reacting to this even my own wow. self like i said i broke somewhere in january i was like whatever let's start drinking like <laughs> they'll take the edges off this thing and yeah. so i i kept things and we're like we're gonna all have these masks what are we gonna do with them and i was like well, we'll be ready for the next one i guess and I was like, I'm going to frame mine with my like positive test, which was turned out to be a false positive. There you go. Then I got my negative test. Really? I got my antibodies test. And so I was like, the paper trail, I'm going to put them all together with masks and stuff. Oh, yeah. And September 11th, uh, I tested and I tested positive. And they told me that Sunday afterwards. And they called up and I'm like, uh-huh. football, my team's losing. I'm already probably sweaty already going, ugh. And they're like, oh, you tested positive. I'm like, what? No way. I feel fine. Literally felt fine. And I was like, can it come on right now? And I was like, nothing was going on. And and so I instantly start taking my temperature. Nothing, nothing. Girlfriend gets home. I was like, you might want to stay over there because I tested positive. She puts on her mask. We're eating dinner across the room. We're wearing masks all the time. I'm sleeping upstairs until... But the next Monday, which was the Monday afterwards, uh, the 14th, we both go and get nasal swabs because the university, I get tested through saliva tests. Once right, right. And she doesn't. Um, they just don't need to do the testing. The university is mandatory. And so yeah. um, we both go get nasal swabs at done. And that's brutal. Like they stuck it up both sides. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just one side. My left side was just an angry little, na- na- oh, it made me cry. And then my right side was fine. And oh, yeah. yeah, and I was like, that sucks. Like you, nobody should want to have to get one of the, like should have to get that all the time. That sucked. And it was negative, comes back negative two days later. I still stay home through all this. Um, state health calls, 
and was like, oh, I heard you standing up positive and very nice lady. And I assumed my negative meant I was free. Like I went to the store, I did a bunch of stuff. And I was like, I've, I got a negative test. And she's like, really? And I was like, you don't have that information. She's like, no. And I go, I'll send it to you right now. Cause I knew this was going to happen. Cause I had the file ready from my doctor's office and I sent it and it did not matter. So I was 10 day quarantine. I really? worked from home um, with, with my girlfriend, Tia. She, since she's an essential worker, she just had to wear a mask um, around everybody all the time and stuff like that. But when I mean, once we were home, we didn't wear a mask and they were telling me I couldn't pet my cats. And they're like, oh, you got to be still. Okay. And I was just like, I didn't want to yell. I was trying to be nice. I was like, I really do have a negative test. So I understand we're just being you know, precautious here, but I don't have it. And from what I, I mean, even if I do, then this was the easiest sickness I've ever had in my life. And I don't think COVID's <laughs> been that way to people. Right. So I waited the right. time. These are not the stories you hear. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm fine. I waited I'm the time good. and got the antibodies test. No antibodies. So, but I was off UW testing for 90 days. I just, I'm back on. So I spit test all the time. Um, I truly think I got it in December 19. Yeah. It, antibodies don't stay. Uh, it was okay. in the world then. Uh, University is very yeah. international. I had everything that you could say. I don't know about the smell and taste, but that doesn't always happen. Um, mm -hmm. But all the other symptoms sucked. It's terrible. It's the worst sickness I've ever had. I don't wish that upon anybody. Uh, it was terrible. That body aches. Oh, yeah. So and it took like three weeks really to get normal. Two weeks to like get. Wow. I missed a week of work. And then I went to work for a week. And it wasn't right last week. And we went to Texas. And I wasn't 100% there. And it was Christmas time. And probably took till after that to be normal again. And then Tia got like maybe a few work weeks later and everybody's like, Oh, it's upper respiratory stuff. Cause everybody get tested for flu and it wouldn't pop up. And next thing when we start hearing about this COVID thing out of the East, out of China and stuff. And we're like, yeah. and it's rolling, rolling, rolling. And then we're like, Oh, now we got to stay away from each other. Now I got to do my podcast, not face to face. And and such and it yeah. kind of everybody's always talking makes for interest. i forget about it sometimes too weirdly enough uh, yeah that huge um june snowstorm in right. like tore up all right. those trees all my front yard trees were just shredded that was yeah. like a week's worth of cleanup and such i forgot we had covid i was like oh shit i guess this thing's going on <laughs> yeah yeah that was nuts it was three months to the day from that horrible one in September. Oh yeah. Yeah. September 8th and June 8th. I was like, really three months. You got three months of summer. Awesome. Yeah. I joked about like, we didn't get snow until like we had the one in September, but I didn't think yeah. we got snow till maybe dustings here and there until after Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And it was weird to say like, yeah, our last snow was in uh, September. No, it was in June. You know, they're like, what? And I go, and prior to that June, you're like, yeah. where do you live? And I'm like, hmm, Antarctic? I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know. Yeah, it's so random. But it has been a really mild winter, except for the couple of really bad storms. But then it's gone. And you're like, oh, awesome. 50 degrees. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I just need it. I would like it when it snows in the mountains, like 
so we can drink yeah. water later and stuff. Yeah, that'll well, be helpful. I'm all about <laughs> that. I, it doesn't sound there. I mean, that's fine. Just dump it all up there in the rivers, yeah. the lakes and stuff so we can drink. That's all I think about. I was like, okay. Yeah, because I was like, I hate shoveling it or whatever, but we need the moisture when you need to drink water in the summertime. So that is definitely a thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind it. It's just, um, well, that's not true. I don't like it when it's cold, but yeah, I do think we need to drink. too. So, so I got one last question. All right. Ask on me. Everybody. So okay. she was called all my friends. How'd we meet? Okay, so it was, I was a football trainer, and you were in football. That makes sense. I makes I sense. didn't always train for the, because you're a couple, one or two years older than me. Were you? Um, but that was how. So I'm, I'm in Yancey's class, Yancey okay. and like Doug and Brett's class. Yes. Yeah. So, so that was how. That was how I met you. It's like, and I, then, yeah, kind of reconnected as adults, I guess, at probably one of the reunions, probably Jubilee Days reunion. Definitely, I, I couldn't. I once you talked about talking about being a trainer, I was like, yeah, that's that's probably it. That's totally like it is how we met. Um, we went, you know, we went to high school with our classes of 300 peep students. In yeah. class. Like, so it's, it's hard to get to know. And I'm, it was 92. And so you guys 94, um, to get to know everyone mm -hmm. all the time. I still have classmates. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess we did graduate together. Um, and <laughs> so yep. and people are always shocked that I friends, you know, I know a lot of people that went to really, really, really tiny high schools in Wyoming, Nebraska, and stuff like that. And they're always like 300 people. And I go, there are bigger classes around the state too. I was like, I probably wouldn't have been in a <laughs> yeah. 500 or a thousand class in Oregon or something. So it didn't really weird that me yeah. out much, much. Um, yeah, I do remember probably the one more recent times is you were here and John Dunham was back in town. And he yes. was talking about, I, the he podcast is amazing. So cool. Is, is oh my gosh, that guy out traveling to Mexico and South America, and yeah, like, that's the one I was like, if you could, if I had video, you, my mouth is on the floor half the time, even though I'd heard his story when you were you oh. all met up with him uh, at the library then and such, and I was like, oh yeah, Harmony, yes, we should be Facebook friends, and now we should do a podcast, and so mm -hmm. I was like, but it was interesting, and I got John on the show, and I got you. I'm trying to get Brett. Brett is so flipping busy with. Uh, COVID response team at the university that okay. all his time is just eaten up. I'm always like, how about now? How about now? Do you just want to hang out, dude? Like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, so busy. Call me. Call yeah. It, Brett, Brett, do it. Yes. Brett, get on my podcast. It'll be good. Get on, get on Ruth's podcast. Or I'm going to interview your wife. It. That's what I'm at. Brett, I'm going to interview Tracy. <laughs> so get on the podcast. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to get that, that Doug way. and Yancey. That'd be good too. I'd like to have them on here. Yeah. So that'd be fun. Yep, and I know definitely. I'll probably once you know, I run out of friends, which I probably won't, but I'm going to keep going and keep going, but I'll probably do some specialized one. I know I have friends that are like, want to talk Star Wars and I have lots of friends that love talking Star Wars. Ones that want to talk wrestling. Ones that want to yeah. talk just music with me. 
And I'm like, yeah, we'll just, but I want to do just the solo ones first. We set the ground rules and we're like, okay, hey, we do one about, you know, hospitality. We do one about construction, you know, management, because I, I don't know anything about that. And you started talking about things. I was like, oh, oh yeah, sure. But I mean, like, okay. <laughs> it's good. People need insight to, to these kind of things, to these kind of information, because buildings don't magically just build themselves. And it takes a lot of organization so they just don't fall down. And, and they work the way yeah. they should. And so, yeah, you need, or I know I work with that area kind of on the technology side. I'm, I would be a vendor part of that. Like, yeah. all right, it's built to do this. It's our turn to come in and put down all our technology stuff. And so we hire other vendors, do a lot of things, but I support it. So I got to know where that technology is at and everything. So I'll, yeah, learning project management, sure. and stuff like that. Uh, it's becoming a part of my life when yeah. all I wanted to do in the past was make, you know, art out of videos and such. And so long ways removed from those days, you know, follow so the money cool. that we all did. I love, I love that you just do what you love to do. Like I am a huge proponent for like self-employment and like following your passion. And I love so much that you do this. Yeah. and. I just love it. I, it's just the coolest thing to me. It's, it's a, it definitely gives me a, hope. <laughs> it's a passion project. Uh, this and radio sure. radio stations, all f- my buddy and I, we flip the bill on the station to pay for all the, the, the back stuff. Um, we do a bulk of the shows. We're always trying to get new DJs and stuff. And um, it's one way to keep my artistic mind moving um, is building yes. shows and, and that kind of stuff. And we build like promos and intros and I have to go back and le- remember a lot of stuff I learned in college. I don't apply a lot of that to my, my normal IT job that pays the bills. Um, there are parts sure. of it. I'm fascinated because I get to touch all this great technology. That's a fun part of that. Um, but like managing 20 year olds, not that fun always. And <laughs> There's just some equipment that's very technical based that I need experts to work with. I'm not the expert yeah. first. So that kind of stuff. But this, yeah, I, I if you had told me I'd be doing a podcast because everybody jokes about, oh, I've got a podcast now. I'll be on my podcast, like celebrities and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. But then I was like, well, we all hear the celebrity stories. I was like, but I sit around in bars with my friends or what, football games. My friends tell me their life stories and I'm just fascinated. And I was like, I like to talk to them about mine. I'm sure my friends like to talk about theirs. So yeah, Um, if it leads to anything beyond this, great. But if I just keep interviewing my friends for the next um, 10 years, great. Maybe I'll meet some more friends along the way too. So yeah, it's it's fun. And and it warms my heart to to know that, you know, you would like that, that I get to do this kind of thing. Oh, I love it. I think it's so great. Yeah. So great. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Well, hey, thanks for having me. I feel like I talked really a lot. So perfect. Sorry. (laughs) Perfect. No, it's good. You're supposed to talk. Not me. Well, I can. I I interject my things and I'll go on rambles. But you're supposed to talk. It's about you. And that's good. And some people, I've had them where they're kind of tight in the beginning and then they unload towards the end. And then some people are just great the whole time. And yeah, and everybody, a lot of people are nervous to do it. And there are times where I'm like, ah, 
I just yeah. settle down to my couch. I don't know if I want to get up and do a podcast. And then I do it and I get all this energy and I feel good and everything. It's fun. And so I'm glad I do it. At, at, and I'm glad it's at least one day a week that and if I plan it right, I can check in with my friends while COVID's going on and ch- just check in and see how life's going and everything. So and then, yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to keep connected for sure. I think it's great. Well, thank you so much for for having me and considering me a friend and letting me do this with you. It was very interesting learning about being in foster homes from Harmony. My only true exposure is from TV and movies and foster homes generally are not portrayed in a good way. I really hope that by Jubilee days, around mid-July, we're back to some normality. I just want to be able to hang out with my former classmates, drink some cocktails, and reminisce on the good old days. Now for you non-Laramie Wyoming people that have never lived here, been here, hung out here during the summer, Jubilee Days originally began as a horse race back in the 1940s to celebrate Wyoming Statehood Day on July 10th. There are street dances, a carnival goes on all week long, a rodeo goes on all week long, there's a parade on the Saturday, and you can drink in the streets at night. Good time. Hope to see you there this next year. On to the next episode.